0: Hey, Redeem family, thank you so much for joining us for Redeem Online this weekend. And we are in this new studio in our new church building right next to the prayer room, right across from where the Future Worship Center is. And we are so excited about this building. But we just continue to ask for your prayers as we continue to build an outpost for the kingdom at Graveline Bridgeport. So where you have exciting things happening. I was thinking about the exciting things that are happening with our church. And then I was also thinking about how we're in this time and this place of what I'm calling malaise. Just this time and place where 253, the United States, Western context, where we can't exactly put our finger on it, but we're having this difficult time identifying why we feel this blandness. Do you feel it? Megan? and I were actually talking about it. We, we feel it in our own lives in some ways. There is this sense that we can't understand, but it just is this, this time and place where we feel this malaise. And, and, you know, one of the challenges that we have is that The devil, we oftentimes think he might be pressing up against us, there's times and seasons where we have these struggles and we have these hardships and we have these warfare that we enter into, but there's also this time where sometimes the world and the evil one says, you know what, just go sit on the bench, just go take it off for a little bit, just take some time off. And we can find these times where we can't put our, our finger on it, but we don't really have vision for our life, and we don't really have clarity on where we're going forward, and we, we're maybe outside of community, and we, we just found, feel like it's just easier to sit on the bench and just kind of wait. Maybe not doing anything wrong. It just feels like just malaise. It just feels like this haze that's over us. And many of us, might it might manifest itself on the inside. It might just be this kind of anxiety or worry or, or even depression of just feeling like I don't wanna push things forward or maybe it feels like in your family, maybe it feels like, man, there's just some brokenness and some things that I don't even wanna deal with or friends or community or coworkers or where my career is going or whatever this looks like. We are in a season of malaise. And and, and it's really interesting because many of you are, are, as we push this church forward, I think that the Lord is calling us through this worship series to say, prepare your hearts, for what I'm about to do because I'm about to shake things up within this church and things are going to get moving fast and so I'm excited to bring this word today because the day we're talking about worship is transformational and here's a secret. The world may feel like it just wants to keep you at this level but the world desperately needs and I want to make the case once a church and a people to be transformed and they want us to be in the transformational business because your friends, your family, your coworkers, those in your neighborhoods that don't believe, they're feeling the malaise too. And they need transformation as well. And as a church, redeemed church, we feel very called to this, that we are simply redeemed, transformed people who are in the business of restoring all things back to him through his presence. And so if you have friends and family and coworkers, I'm asking you that we enter into prayer and worship, into warfare, and for ourselves to get out of this haze. And I'm excited to bring this word because I was thinking about just this feeling that I have, and I've had this feeling before once, and it was a few years back. And I was actually in Uganda. It was a crazy trip. I don't know if you know Uganda. Uganda is in East Africa. It's one of the poorest countries in the world. We're doing some amazing work as a church there. Shout out to Jonah and Jin, And we're gonna be talking about some things that we're doing to bring clean water into Uganda. It's a place that's close to my heart. But I was tired. I had actually just flown to East Africa. I had climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with a team and now I was leading a team into this little village six hours north of Kampala and there was really an incredible place because there was no water matter of fact I walked six miles with like a 10 year old girl with her carrying water on her head just to get water there was no electricity there was very little food there wasn't much hope or what I saw as hope now I had this opportunity to come to a church service and so I was tired and then I also had this thing where I was always told to stay away from rotten eggs I don't know if you've ever even smelled a rotten egg before or had a rotten egg, but here in America, if you get a rotten egg, you stay away from them. In Uganda, if you have a rotten egg, you should also stay away from them. But I didn't. It was one of those eggs that just kind of tasted funny. It wasn't like the grossest thing in the world, but I knew it wasn't going to be right. But but for when you're when you're that far out there in the wilderness and in the bush, you have to eat what they give you. And so I knew that this egg was going to cause a little bit of trouble. So. I had a stomach that was curdling. And I'm just going to be honest with you. And one of the things that you have to know about the middle of nowhere in Uganda is that they don't have these things called toilets. They have uh, holes in the ground. And so, and so I'm sitting here and this is the time that we're going to church and I don't want to be there. I'm tired. My stomach is a complete mess. I uh, had to be within a certain walking distance from a hole in the ground if you know what i'm saying and my stomach was going all over the place and i was like i don't want to be here and so we're close to the equator it's about 100 degrees in uganda it's offensive to wear shorts so you're wearing these jeans and you're wearing these pants and it's hot and you're gonna walk into this small church which is a few windows and no air conditioning and no electricity and what did i experience in light of all that you wouldn't believe that these people were worshiping, and dancing, and yelling, and laughing, and enjoying their time with God, even in a place where you wouldn't expect it. In one of the toughest places in the world, I had was experiencing heaven here on earth. And that's one of our core values as a church, to bring heaven here on earth. And I had to go all the way to Uganda, I believe, to fully experience that, this at this time where transformed people were praising the, the Lord with all their heart, soul and mind. And it was incredible. And then I flew back. Thank God my stomach had recovered. There was enough pepto in my bag to make it, make it count. And I came back and, and I was part of Redeemed Church at this time, but I was also going around and speaking at other churches. And so the next weekend I had to go to another church and it's a big church and it's a lovely church and people are incredible. And the service just felt flat for me, and it's not about the songs that they chose. It wasn't even the sermon. It was literally a malaise. It felt like like how did I experience this with no electricity and a hundred degree heat, and then I come here in America where we have everything, we should be able to throw the greatest party, and it just fell flat. And I was on my plane ride home after that service. And I was praying, God, and, and God spoke to me. It's because people in Uganda fully understand what it means to be transformed. And they fully understand what it means to, revi- rele- to rely on God for everything that they need. And I was thinking, how do we get to that as a body? How do we get to that as a redeemed church? You know, as we bring, go to part three of our worship series, that it, we're talking about this. Worship is and should be transformational. And and we have to understand this, that at the root of our faith, at the root of our faith is our God is in the business of changing people. He's in the transformational business. It's incredible. Throughout the Bible, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is in the business of transforming lives from old to new, from dead to living, from broken and hurting to healed, that's what God does. That's the whole story in the Bible. And so we, we're going to go through this sermon series. I want us to see that we should position ourselves towards God in worship. And when we, give God that op- when we do that, we give God the opportunity to transform us. We give God the opportunity to transform our hearts and our minds and our emotions and our bodies and our spirits and our heartaches and ultimately our families, our neighborhoods, and our communities and we're gonna look at how that works and we're gonna look at the book of Isaiah today to see how the Lord sets that up in worship. Now we were going through this as a teaching team and we were saying, hey, how do we wanna start this year 2022 off and if you remember the Lord really has given me in 2022 he's putting us in a building and what we were supposed to be doing while we're building the building is getting our hearts ready and what that means is connecting our hearts and our innermost being and being spirit-led and connecting with God surrendering our entire life if we do that as redeemed we will be kicking it the Lord will be completely on our side because he desires not our church building he desires our heart and that's what we're focusing on. We are focusing on getting in the Word, getting into worship and prayer because everything flows out of that for this church. And so we are excited about this next season. And so, as we were talking about worship, Liz brought up this book from her seminary class. And it was about the Great Commission in worship. It was very interesting. And she said one of the best chapters is on, on this idea that worship is transformational and it sets us on our mission and I love this thought and so today we're going to look at Isaiah and we're going to look up Isaiah 6 and we're going to look at how worship is transformational and how it sets us up for our mission and so as we look at Isaiah 6 we have to look at Isaiah and he was a prophet and the good news is that his book is full of good news. I love that when the prophet it's full of good news and one of the things that we need to remember that as we look at the book of Isaiah Isaiah is great at enlarging our view of God. That's one of the most powerful things about Isaiah is that it enlarges our view of God. And we're going to see in Isaiah 6 that he gets this vision of eternal God that's so overwhelming and it's talking about God and his holiness. And it's going to overwhelm Isaiah and I hope that it actually overwhelms us because when we enter into this with worship is transformational, we have to understand the overwhelming, overwhelming holiness of God. And so we're going to see that. And then we're also going to see in the book of Isaiah that that the Bible, that this book excites us for mission like no other, I think, no other book in the Bible. It excites us for mission. And that's why Isaiah is one of my favorite books. And so now as we go look at Isaiah 6, we start and we look at this moment in time. And this is early on in kind of his career as a prophet. And we're going to find that it puts us at about 740 B.C. All right. And it starts with this, it's in the year that King Uzziah dies. Now King Uzziah, the king of Judah, had reigned for 52 years and he had actually started when he was just 16 years old. And one of the interesting things about him as king uh, in the Chronicles, it tells us that old Uzziah was a good king. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God as long as he sought the Lord. God gave him success. That's 2 Chronicles 26.5. And so during most of his reign, we see this, that it was an age of prosperity and peace for the people. But now he's dead and we find that, that now that he's gone, that, that this Assyrian empire is now waiting to pounce on the people. And they are like this dark cloud that's on the horizon. And so we see the people are in this time of great uncertainty and insecurity. Can you all relate? We talked about this, the malaise that we're in. There's this level of insecurity and uncertainty about the future. You know, we, we had times of uncertainty and insecurity in the last like two years, like we've never had in my, my time living. it seemed like every three months, it was like, oh my goodness, what is next? There is this insecurity and this uncertainty about the future. And so the Assyrian empire is about to pounce, it's on the horizon, and we see that in Isaiah 6, we see that he gets a vision for the real king. And we'll see this posture that we are to take and when we worship the real king. And so in worship, the first point is this. We recognize God for who he is. And this is so important that we understand. So let's start at Isaiah 6, 1 and 2. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings with two wings they cover their faces with two they cover their feet and with two they were flying what we see here the lord is high and exalted he's seated on a throne and the train of his robe is filling this entire temple isaiah is standing in the temple and he's getting a full experience of god's holiness and it says that the train or the hem of his robe is it's filling the temple so this is simply the edge Or the bottom part of God's robe, and it's filling the entire temple. So here's the image God is on his throne in heaven, and the temple only contains the very bottom of his robe. How significant is this? How great is our God that only one section of his robe can fill up an entire temple? And I want you to do this. Some of you have seen where we're gonna put the new worship center. It's not gonna be huge, but it's gonna be impactful and that's one of our goals and I want us to say what about if our new church and what we desire is this experience where God comes and where just the lower part of his robe is filling up our worship center because we want to experience the holiness of God and the majesty of God like Isaiah is and Isaiah is standing there And to his left and to his right and before him and behind him, he is being filled with the robe of the garment of God, the bottom of this. And then we see this, the angelic beings with six wings. You know, it's interesting because just two of them are keeping them flying, right? And and that's good. But we also see what are the other wings doing? The other wings are covering their faces and their feet in God's presence. These are perfect beings who have never sinned, and, but God is so holy that, and so pure that two-thirds of their wings have to cover their face and their feet to protect themselves from God's holiness. It's incredible. And this is where we can go wrong as believers. Sometimes we can just think of God as this, simply as this glorified man, right? We can think of him just, I mean, we know that he's pure, we know that he's holy, but we can think of him just as this, pure, this, this glorified man but he's not. His glory, his purity, his holiness is so perfect, so pure, so powerful that angelic beings have to approach him covering their feet and their faces. Think about that. And then we hear this, the angelic beings begin to talk. And so it's verse three, it says, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorsteps and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. What we saw with these angelic beings, we now hear from them. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And now in the Hebrew, to emphasize a word, they did this. They repeated the word. So it's really emphasized. So when it says, holy, 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 three times, it's emphasizing that word. Imagine this in the English. This has to be like, if you we were sending a text, this would be like a hundred exclamation marks and a thousand emojis. You pick the emojis. But it's like, hey, person receiving this, you got to know this is a big deal. This is emphasized. And so when we see this, they're going to say, holy, holy, holy. They're saying, you are the most, the holiest of all beings. His holiness is perfect and his love is perfect. And he brings his power and his wisdom and his justice. And that is who we worship. These angelic beings tell us, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And this is the seraphim song. And this is the song of heaven. And now we sing that song of heaven. When we enter into worship, we enter into this song of heaven. And we worship with the same song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And when we understand that, We approach God, we approach the throne of God with his robe filling the temple and we say, holy, 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 a hundred exclamation marks, a thousand emojis, we are just giving worship to the king of kings and it's incredible to think of God in this way. You know, the word for glory here, it comes along with the word weight. So glory is really this weight. So when the whole earth is full of his glory, Isaiah is really saying God's glory and holiness are so strong that we should literally be feeling it. There should be a weight to this glory. And we see that Isaiah is going to feel this with every sense of his being. And we come to worship when we're worshiping in our cars, when we come to prayer, what is our view of the Lord? Do we feel this level of weight? When we worship, we should respond where we literally feel the glory because the whole earth is being filled with his glory. And so when we worship, we think of this incredible God with this robe that's filling the temple with these angelic beings that can't even look at him. And we say, holy, holy, holy. And we realize that Isaiah would have felt it because the the doorstep, doorposts shake and the whole temple is now filled with smoke can I get an amen? This is the God that we are talking about. And so when we, when we understand that we approach God and this is who we worship, we now see what happens next. When we enter into worship in this way, we now are struck with who we are. What we see next is that Isaiah is struck with a spirit of conviction. Verse 5, it says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have lived And I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King and the Lord Almighty. Isaiah goes from feeling the glory, the weight of God's holiness, and he responds like this, Woe is me. Now there's an interesting shift that happens, and it's an experience that Isaiah is experiencing here. So let's go back a little bit. Isaiah 3.11 there, the, the, the prophet is upset about the way that the people are living, and he cries out, Woe to the wicked! Disaster is upon them! They will, they will be paid back for what their hands have done. But after this deep experience with God, he is personally being transformed, and he says, Woe is me! When he experiences the holiness, he recognizes the wickedness in his own heart, and he begins the transformation. No, I think there's a temptation that we face in 2022, with 24/7, uh, 24/7 news and the internet. We can say this is a wicked world, and if only people were more like me. I- I'm a good person. I do the right things. I serve the Lord. If everyone was just like me, I've had those thoughts, right? Maybe you've had those thoughts. There's a temptation to say those kind of things, but when we stop comparing ourselves to others and we instead compare ourselves. To to with God who is completely holy, we look at the greatest things that we could ever do, and we still say, Woe is me. Now I'm not saying that we don't hold people to account, I'm not saying that we don't speak against evil, but we must do it in step with the experience of the holiness of God, which leads us to say, Woe is me. And the next line is so powerful. He says, I am ruined. This line means I am destroyed. It's like every part of Isaiah, feeling the holiness and the weight of God is this crushing blow in a powerful and beautiful way. When we feel the weight of God's glory, his perfection, his love, his goodness, we realize that we are people of unclean lips and we are full of sin and we understand our our shortfalls, and we now need God's perfect love. And here's the beautiful part. As we think about worship. Like Isaiah, my hope is that it leads us to a new understanding of the holiness of God, our need for the cleansing, and it leads us to transformation. But transformation comes only, uh, transformation is only what God can give. And we say worship is transformational. Here's what we're not saying. Worship songs we sing and how we sing them doesn't transform lives. Prayers we pray doesn't transform lives. Sermons that we hear don't transform lives. Transformation comes when the Lord receives all of that from an honest personal gift to Him and we move from a mere ritual to His presence. And then the Lord begins the transformation. The acts of our worship won't do anything, but it's when the Holy Spirit begins to break down all the things in our heart that need to be transformed. Our bitterness our self-promotion, our anger, our greed, our lust, our idolatry, our lying, our addiction, whatever that is, fill in the blank for you. The Lord wants to transform it. And we enter into worship, we give an opportunity to be transformed from the inside. And here's what we see, the Lord is so gracious. Isaiah 6, 6-7 Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. Which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. We see this angelic being flies over, and God does the work. He takes a hot coal, places it on his lips, and says, From this altar, your sins are taken away, and your sins are atoned for. And worship. We remember that only God can take away our sins, our guilt, our shame. And this coal comes from an altar, a place in the Old Testament, where it would have been this place where animals were sacrificed and are for the punishment of our sins. And now we live under the promise that Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, takes away our sin. And like Isaiah, we are reminded in worship that our sins are atoned for and our guilt is completely taken away amen to that nothing we can do but only God's grace and we see that in this story and this forever transforms us and it puts us into the right position you know I was thinking about Isaiah and it reminds me of another story within the Bible and hopefully there's a good connection here but there's two stories in Matthew 9 of Jesus transforming people's lives and it reminds me that no matter what you're going through right now Jesus wants to transform every aspect of your life and in in worship we position ourselves for him to do the transformation and we need so desperately that transformation in our life. So Matthew 9 we're going to start at verse 18 and 19. While he was saying this a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said my daughter has just died but come and put your hand on her and she will live Jesus got up and went with him, and so did the disciples. So here's a synagogue leader, a religious leader, in the eyes of the world, somebody that probably had it all together. He had it all figured out, and he's probably living a good life. And what we see is that he is in a time of desperate need. His daughter has just died. He's at the end of his rope. There's nothing less that, left that he can do. And we see this. Jesus comes, and, and he doesn't just ask or ask he doesn't just ask for help, instead it says he knelt down before him. Now the interesting thing is this word knelt down in the Greek is the exact word that's used for worship. And so he knelt down and he worshiped him. And we have to take this position. If you are, if we are in desperate need of transformation in any area of our life, health, emotions, family, brokenness, career, take that position. And so now we look a little bit further. So Jesus is moving, and we see later in that chapter, he's going to go heal the daughter. And so we see Matthew 9, 20 through 22. It says, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed at that moment, so Jesus is going to go raise this daughter from from the dead. This religious daughter's, uh, this religious leader's daughter, and on this way, this woman who has been suffering for twelve years understood this: that if he just, if she just touched the edge of his cloak, and he and she says, "If only I touch the end of his cloak, I will be healed." That's all it takes. This kind of faith reminds me back to Isaiah, the presence of God, that even the hem of God's robe, just the edge of his robe fills the entire temple. And Jesus, the great sacrifice, the son of God, the one who transforms just a little bit of him, just the edge of his cloak transforms everything. And so when we worship, are we like Isaiah and do we recognize our need for salvation? Do we kneel down and worship when we need help, and do we believe that the edge of Jesus' cloak is powerful enough to transform everything through his presence? And that's what I'm challenging us to do. That this is the level of worship that I believe that God is calling us to as a church. And then here's what I'm asking God for each of us. And here's the last point, that in worship, we create space for God's calling. Verse eight, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. When you've seen the majesty of God, you've experienced his grace. You can't do anything but serve him. It's an amazing thing. When you see the majesty of God, you've experienced his grace. You can't do anything but serve him. In his presence, he will be calling each of us to carry out a particular part of the mission. And he's calling each of us to be part of the business of restoring all things back to him through his presence. Like I've talked about before, if we live this surrendered life, we will naturally call people to live a surrendered life. God uses transformed lives to transform lives. It's a beautiful thing. And we won't read this, but if we go further in Isaiah, here's the the kicker. Sometimes the job that he calls us to isn't very pretty. He's gonna call Isaiah to some really hard things. I wish I had better news, but when you experience the majesty of God and you experience his grace, remember no matter how hard it is, you cannot not serve him. It's amazing. And sometimes we think God will only give us easy assignments. And some, and, 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 and sometimes we, we may feel like we're not hearing from the Lord and maybe he's calling us to do some tough things, but instead we're back in that malaise. We're on the sidelines, but God is calling us to things that transform people's lives and so I'm asking that as we enter into transformational worship I'm asking the Lord that he would literally be calling us as a body corporately and individually to what he wants us to do in carrying out this mission because God's heart is to restore all things back to him and sometimes the callings will be hard but when we enter into this level of worship I promise there's a cycle that happens that's so beautiful because when things get hard, we enter back into the presence of God and we remember our need for transformation as well. Woe is me. And we remember God's grace and we remember the call on our lives from God and we move this mission forward. And so when we really fully understand God's power and majesty and love and purity, there is no compromise in his presence. I love that. When it comes to God and what he wants us to do, he wants wants complete transformation in our lives and he wants us to go and transform others' lives. That's how simple it is. And so when we enter into worship, we enter into his presence and we remember who we are, And we remember what he is calling us to do. And that is a beautiful cycle that leads his church to making impact with our friends and our family and our coworkers and our neighbors. So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you feel that malaise. If you do, I'm going to pray for you. I don't know if you feel like you're entering into some spiritual battles. I'm going to pray for you. Maybe it's that there's health or emotions or sickness or whatever that is. Maybe you need transformation in your life. I'm going to pray for you. Maybe, because I know that I've had three or four conversations like that, we're in a season where you feel like you can't even enter into worship. Whether that's you're at home, stuck at home, or you're coming to church and you're not feeling it. And I'm going to pray for breakthrough for you because I believe that God wants us to move and worship because everything flows out of that. And so as we build this church, I'm going to pray for each one of us because the church is simply this, you and me You and me coming together and doing the work of the Lord, but it first starts with entering into his presence and remembering the grace that he has for us. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person listening to this sermon. Lord, I pray that something would just hit. Something would just begin to transform the way they think about you, the way they think about their salvation, the way they think about their mission and their calling. If there's anybody on here that just feels that sense of numbness, that malaise that we were talking about, Lord, we pray through for breakthrough. We pray that they would get off the sidelines, that they would enter into worship, and that you would begin your transformative work, Lord Jesus. I pray for those that are in spiritual battles right now. Lord, I pray for your protection and your guidance and your wisdom and your clarity. Lord, I pray that we as a body would come along those that are fighting battles to push things forward in our community and in their lives, Lord. We pray for, for protection for the entire body. And Lord, we pray for those that, that need transformation in, in their emotions or their health or just have some battles that are going on. We pray for healing. We pray that you would make uh, all things new, Lord, that you would just uh, bring breakthrough for people in, in our body, Lord, That they would just um, that they would just experience you in a real profound way. And Lord, I pray for each person that we would begin to just hear your voice and that we would know what you're calling us to and that all these missions that you put us on would come together, knit together in love like a beautiful uh, mosaic that we would begin to see how you're transforming our cities, our families, our lives, our neighborhoods. Lord, we believe that you are mighty, that you are powerful, that you are perfect, that you are good. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. Lord, let help us to just become open to your transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, one last thing before we go, we are doing a class, just a one-day class on the sacred pathways. As we said, hey, worship and prayer is going to be a focus of our church, we're doing this course on February 12th from 9 to about 3, where we are going through different ways that people experience God. We're going to help you understand how you experience God. We encourage families to come together and do this because we also talk about how we each experience God because we want you all to know what is the best way, what is the path that you best connect with God because the Lord is desperately calling us to, to, to a greater life with him, a deeper level with him and this next season is redeemed. So we want to give you the tools and the resources to, uh, to lead your family well, to lead you as individuals, for couples. So February 12th, uh, we have a class called Sacred Pathways. We encourage you to go. You can sign up at redeem.church We love you all and we will see you next week.